Welcome to Pilgrim Lost. Come walk with us while we explore life in hopeful motion. And oh my gosh, the for those of the, you watching on YouTube, the screen is full of beautiful faces. Uh, I'm so excited about our episode today where we're going to be doing a, a pilgrimage Camino de Santiago 101 conversation with some veteran pilgrims and some soon to be pilgrims who are planning their trips. I'm excited. We got Lisa Klossner, my old friend who's been on the I've actually been on the podcast before. She's back as one of our veteran. Lisa, how many times have you walked the Camino? I walked the Francis once all the way through. And then I did the Francis just 10 days through. The first nice. 10 days. Mm-hmm. Nice. And you're hoping going to go again. With- yeah. And this actually in September, I'm going on the Portuguese with my son. Phenomenal. And then for the first time, Carolyn Khalil, we're so excited you're here. How are you? Thank you. I am well. Happy to be here. And you have not yet gone, but it is on your bucket list as soon as possible. Is that correct? Yes. Lisa and I were slated to go this September, but we are not going to go now. But we're now slated to go a year from September. Okay. And thinking about it, planning for it. Lots of questions, lots of ideas. We did a little virtual one once just for fun and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then producer Mark is back. Mark Portrait. Good to see you, producer Mark. Thank you, Tony. And remind nice us again here. the day of your when will you be taking your first steps on the community of Santiago? I leave the day after Mother's Day. So I will be feasting with all the mothers I love on May 8th, and then I will be departing on May 9th. So about about a little less than four weeks. Fantastic. To kick off our conversation, I would like to read from 1,500 years ago. The sons of Korah wrote these words. Blessed are those whose strength is in the divine, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And that will be the theme of our conversation. I want to start with a little lightning round where I'm going to fly through some questions and just get you guys to respond as sort of quickly as possible as we go. Uh, So I'll go Lisa, Carolyn, and then Mark on each one. First one is, what is your favorite Camino book or film? Lisa. Oh, it's the way. It's the one that everybody loves. But I will say, actually, you know what? I need to retract that because I have seen I'll Push You. And to be honest, that one... I could watch that a million times. And they have been guests on your show. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Carolyn. Yeah. Favorite a pilgrimage book? to eternity. Pilgrimage the to book. eternity. A I don't pilgrimage know. to eternity. Well, I happened, and I'm not kidding. I didn't even plan this. I literally just looked over there. It's right here. <laughs> By Timothy uh, Egan. Egan. Okay. Lisa got it for me, um, and it's from Canterbury to Rome, so it's a different pilgrimage. Great. Love it. Pilgrimage to Eternity by Timothy Egan and Mark, producer Mark. The Pilgrimage by Paulo Coelho. He's an Argentinian author, 
He wrote a book called The Alchemist, which he's most famous um, for. This is, if you ever wondered about Carlos Castaneda going on the Camino, this is the book for you. It's a crazy, crazy story. Lots of really wild adventures and kind of out of body experiences. So mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the book. Fantastic. And uh, our it's on Mark's my bucket list to get him on the podcast at some point. We, you'll know we have like, oh. released euphoria podcast euphoria <laughs> and get him on on the podcast okay next question is what is a, a moment the next time you go or the first time you go that you're most looking forward to when you think about it, i can't wait i can't wait for this moment to happen mm. uh for me it will definitely be arriving in san jean uh oh, yes. next year when we go that just all the planning and everything that goes into it. And then all of a sudden you step into San John and it's just the magic begins. It is amazing. I mean, going that pilgrim office there is like yeah. going through the wardrobe. It is yep. like well, slipping into a magical place. It's incredible. Yeah. feeling. Carolyn, how about you? Well, that's a tough one because I've heard of so many fun moments along the way, including like the just sheer exhaustion, but a job well done or making a new buddy or all these different lovely things. Um, but it might be getting on the plane because I, I love to go places and I feel like I can reinvent myself the minute I'm actually, it's hard for me to get away. It's very hard for me to get away. But once I'm there, I'm just like a whole new, I can, I can reinvent myself. I'm okay the way I am, but I just like that feeling of just thinking like, this is a whole, I'm embarking on this adventure and who knows what could happen. I just love that feeling. Mark. Well, my first reaction was the luggage turnstile at the Biarritz airport to make sure my luggage actually <laughs> shows up. It'd be a long trip without my stuff. But uh, I actually, I think stepping foot into the albergue at Roncesvalles after crossing the Pyrenees, I think I'm more nervous about getting over the top of the Pyrenees than anything else on the entire trip. Everything, once you get to, to, to that spot, I, I think I'll be more at ease. Um, more relaxed and and ready to roll. So, yeah. What is something that you dread about the Camino? Oh, did I dread? I literally don't dread anything. It's all maybe maybe the jet lag when you first get there, but there's nothing else I can think of that I would dread. Good reminder. Yeah. You know, last time it took me two and a half days to get to the trailhead, and I was probably able to sort of kind of recover from jet lag. But this time I'm flying directly into the trailhead next when I go in September. By the way, I bought my ticket. Yes. I'm going Exciting. in September. Yeah. Walking the Norte. <gasps> Exciting. I'm going to fly into San Sebastian and jump right on the trailhead and go. So, sorry, that was all about me. Carolyn, something you dread. <laughs> uh, injury. Yeah. Hands down, an injury. Okay, Mark? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm afraid of not finishing. I think I've kind of gotten beyond that. Um, if that's part of the experience, then that's going to be part of the experience. And 
I don't, I'm not really obsessing over like complete and utter failure, but I would agree with Carolyn. I just, I think that I'm older and, and I am concerned about how my body will react to uh, day after day of that kind of, you know, that kind of movement. So I think that's my number one concern. Yeah, it's good. And, and just for everyone to know, Mark, I feel comfortable saying your age, but you're you're in your latter 60s. Is that yes, fair? Yes, right? I'm running out of 60s. You're running, running out, out of 60s. <laughs> yes. And I just yes. want people listening to know sort of the context. And Lisa and Carolyn, I won't ask you your ages, but um, let's just say that you have grown kids. Is that fair to I, say? I, don't mind I, do not, I do not mind saying that I'll be 65. And yes. I'm very excited about, and I did it when I was 60, was when I first did it to celebrate my 60th birthday. So. And I don't mind saying I am 60 and I am thrilled to be alive and I don't care how old, I'm happy to be 60. <laughs> Beautiful. So as we're talking, so this, you know, we can say it's, you know, rookies on the Camino or Camino 101, but really it's old farts on the Camino. And I put myself in that category. I'm in my 50s now. That makes me an old fart. I feel like an old fart. And I'll tell you, one of the things I'm afraid of is my gout has been getting worse and worse. And what it's... Um, it, my gout, oh. I have gout and it really, and it manifests in my feet and it basically makes it almost impossible to walk. So Ooh. I'm scared that my gout's going to flare up when I go. Um, okay. So in Spain, they have this drink called clara, which is a mix of like a lager or no, it's a pilsner and, and lemonade. And it's delicious. Like at the end of a walk, there's nothing that tastes better than a clara. So the question is, clara or red wine? To each one of you, Lisa. Well, I I didn't even know that clara because I always drank red wine. So, <laughs> but go. when I go back, when I go back in September, I'm checking out the cl clara. What do you? How are you saying that? Clara. C L A R A. I think. Clara. Oh, okay. I'll have to say red wine. <laughs> All right. I'm thinking the Clara because I might be slightly dehydrated. <laughs> well, I'm not going to help that much. <laughs> yeah, the lemonade part. The lemonade part. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's freezing cold, then I'm going with the red wine. Good. If it's really rainy, then I would go with the red wine. Yeah. If it's oh, at sure. all nice temperatures, I'd go with the Clara. Mark? I'm not a big beer drinker, but when I went to Dublin, I was drinking like two and three Guinnesses a day. Sure. And it was absolutely just magical. And and so I'm I'm probably gonna defer to something like a lager when I'm there. And we'll see. We'll see how I do. What is one item that you think I would never go without slash you're really excited to take? One item that's gonna be in your backpack or on your body that you're like, I'm I'm so excited to pack this or to have this. Mine is definitely a buff. And if you don't know what that is, it is a, it's kind of looks like a headband that you can use as a scarf. You can use it on your wrist to like wipe sweat off. I've used it as a headband or not a head, well, yes, a headband, but also like ponytail holder. Um, if it's cold, you can put it up on your face for warmth. It's just like super versatile. And honestly, it's my very favorite thing to take on the Camino with me. I just use it every single day. Mark made that exact same argument to me yesterday. 
Oh, oh yeah. Word, word for word. <laughs> Carolyn? Well, I'm going to have to say that now. But not just to copy, but because I have problems regulating my temperature. And I have sensitive ears to the cold. And so I feel like that could be, and my hair, sometimes you want up, sometimes you want, I think that's going to be my thing. Mark? Well, Tony, Tony and I were together over the weekend and he knows the absolutely noxious amount of preparation that I've done and details and stuff. It's been way over the top, but I would say the single item that I'm most excited to take with me is a St. Christopher medal that was given to me by some neighbor friends because he is the patron saint of stuff that gets lost. And so I figured if I've got my St. Christopher with me, I cannot get lost on the trail. So there you go. Things that get lost. Things that yes. get pilgrim lost. Maybe. Oh. That's what you did there. Thank you. I'm here all week. Uh, <laughs> uh, last question for our lightning round. Are you are you most excited about the stories that you'll experience all around you or about the stories that will, you'll experience inside of you? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say inside of me. When we went um, in 2017, it was definitely more about community and all the stories around me, which I'm definitely looking forward to that again. But when I go next fall with Carolyn, um, I'm, I'm hoping for it to be more of a, like a spiritual journey, what's happening within myself. Nice. Carolyn? Well, I feel like they're so interrelated. Good. Because the stories around me are going to be such an impactful thing. And I just think we're so holistic that I don't know if I can separate the two. Look at you. Oh. So good. <laughs> Such wisdom. Such yeah, wisdom. Yeah. Mark? <laughs> I think uh, probably internal. Um, I'm traveling alone. I, I'm anticipating where I'm staying. I'll be by myself a great deal. So I think that's almost going to be a natural byproduct of the trip. Just a lot of introspection, a lot of uh, deep uh, moments and thoughts. I like it. All right. So let's go to just more of an open conversation here. Are there any are there any questions you guys have about communal life that we can all sort of weigh in on and just kind of share? It can be simple, pragmatic, you know, what's the best X to take, or it can be more thematic. What are some questions you have that I'm sure if you have the questions, our community have those questions. They think about long-term, long-distance trekking. And it doesn't have to be the community of Santiago, but that's just something that the four of us share. So it's a common ground for us to have a conversation. But who's got a question? Well, I have a very pedestrian one, almost embarrassing, but okay. I don't like being dehydrated. Therefore I drink a lot of water and then of course I have to go to the bathroom. Oh yeah. And so <laughs> as I'm walking all day long, you know, people are on the trail. So you're probably not just going to go off the trail. Anyway, that's my question. Uh, Lisa, you want to, you want to handle sure. that one? I'd be happy to. So there are so many, uh, little restaurants and coffee places and bars along the way that you generally can find plenty of places to go, but there it's, it's very obvious that many pilgrims have taken little side jaunts off the trail 
So there are definitely lots of places, I mean, to go anywhere, really. Okay. So, because when you're walking through the woods, obviously that's easy. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't ever remember getting in a position where I was like, oh my gosh, there's no place to go. Okay. <laughs> I was picturing like a 10 mile stretch where you're like, oh, this is awkward. No, no. Mm -mm. never. Yeah. And I can't speak for everybody, but my body seems to know when it's a 10 mile stretch and sort of goes, just shuts down my, my phone <laughs> over those 10 until it's, it's strange. I don't know if that's true for everybody, but my, my uh, psychology has a great power over my body. It seems like, but it was never a problem for me. Uh, there's yeah. to go. And it's always an excuse to stop and get a clotta yes. <laughs> along the way. <laughs> I have a question on uh, I have a question regarding language. I've been uh, I've been on Duolingo for many, many, many months trying to learn Spanish as best I can. All my middle school, high school Spanish has come back. And I'm I'm wondering whether or not for people over there they would just rather you spoke to them in English and they wade through it rather than butcher their beautiful local language or whether they really appreciate you trying to uh, to speak uh, in Spanish. It's good. Mm -hmm. Lisa, you got a thought on that? I know I do. I do too, yeah. Go for it. All right, well, I have heard people say that they really appreciate it when you try to speak in their in their language so because it's 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 it kind of shows that you want to participate with them rather than i'm here and i'm american or whatever and you know you're gonna you know listen to me in my language because it's the native tongue of the world <laughs> kind of a thing you know but i do think that that trying to speak and my spanish is very not that great but i always could tell people would appreciate it when i would try at least to speak Spanish. Yeah, I mean, really any any place in the world where I've traveled and I've been to 60 countries, um, the the one thing that, that I would say never do is just assume that English is the language. Like just walk in and just start talking at somebody in English, you know, assumptive that they're going to understand because you're right. And that tends to be an American thing that most of the world, because because we don't live in proximity with other countries the way that most people do, there there can be an arrogance and a hubris that is very off-putting. It's one of the reasons why Americans have a bad rep. So um, humility on the end, I mean, even if, you, I mean, some people are just very uncomfortable even trying to speak a foreign language and people understand that. I think most people are very compassionate and empathetic, but to walk in with, I am so sorry, I don't speak Spanish. Is there... Is there any chance you speak English? Just lay out like I I know that I'm the idiot in this scene, and I'm willing to be the idiot in this scene. Mm -hmm. The other person inevitably will show great generosity, and even just like one word in the local um, language, if you just say "excuse me" in Spanish, and then go, "Is there any chance that you speak English?" But even just the "excuse me" will give you, like Lisa was saying, will give you some um, some credits, some some relational credits. Lisa, would you agree with all that? 100%. Yep. Okay. Good one.
Any other thoughts, questions, ideas? I've really been thinking about um, just meditation. And I think there's so much about ex a long trekking when you're putting in three, four, five, six, seven hours of walking in a day. Um, how, how, how do you really sort of release your mind and your soul to, to do the, to do the work or to do the contemplation you desire? Like what are the, are there any practices or any 30 things that, that stand in the way? Um, what are the hurdles to, to look out for? Kind of like we were talking about with the podiatrist about checking in with your body. Are there ways to check in kind of with your soul or your mind to double check whether or not you're, you're in a state that maybe can do good thoughtful meditation. I don't know if you guys, if that question is making any sense, but if any of you have any thoughts on that, I'm super curious. Hello. There's been a fair, fair amount on the Camino forum conversations about headphones versus no headphones. Right. And, uh, and I was kind of curious cause I think that kind of fits into what you're talking about there, Tony, mm -hmm. what, what you and Lisa might've experienced over there regarding what was, what was, accepted or, you know, not or, or frowned upon or, or, or whatever. Um, um, I think yeah. walking in general, did I interrupt you, Mark? No, 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 not okay. at all. Not at all. No. I think walking in general, uh, there's something, I can't remember exactly how this works, but I, in, in therapy, I learned that, um, when you walk, it somehow or another does something to your brain and allows you to do a lot of processing and thinking. And so um, I know I walked the Camino. I didn't I didn't really listen to a lot of music or podcasts or anything, uh, mostly because I kind of wanted to just stay open to, you know, people who would want to come up and talk or or whatever. But um, I. I think that just the walking naturally causes you to process and think and meditate and pray or whatever it is that, you know, you, you're wanting to do. It's great. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts, Carolyn, on that? Do you have any questions or any hopes? Well, um, just being outside, as soon as I get outside, it really helps me center and think outside of what's right here because I have things going on right here all the time. And then just to get a little bit of a, a view of something else that is beyond me. Um, so that's, that's a, a, I meditate well outdoors, which is one of the reasons why I want to do this. That's one of the reasons why I think this would suit me well is because it's kind of my jam to get outside and, and move, get outside and move. I like right. both of those a lot, movement and outside in this kind of, you know, perfect. Yeah. yeah, I think everyday life is, we tend to fall into two themes. One is a very small scope, like I'm in front of my computer all day, or I'm at my, my desk all day in the same space, in the same spaces. And then, um, and then the other thing is that, Everything that I come in contact with, I'm, I'm sort of around all the time or I see it every day. So I begin to be numb to even how beautiful it is. Like the tree in my front yard, I might forget 
how really beautiful that tree is, but because I see it every day, it become, become numb to its beauty or to the way it might want to speak to me as a human being. And when, when you're walking on pilgrimage in a place like Spain, it seems like the most important things that really stimulate the human soul are co you're constantly like bumping into all on the way. The, like mm -hmm. Carolyn said, just the beauty of nature and the different landscapes. And then, and then the, the sheer size of the scope, you know, it's like mm -hmm. the universe is like brought into your experiences you walk. And then all these people are bouncing off of you all day long with their stories and their beauty and what makes them unique. And then they say something about their lives and you're suddenly stimulated with something in your life, you know, and all that stuff works. I, I heard this really neat metaphor from a monk that I was reading recently who said that the beauty of the beauty of meditation is so much of our lives. It's like we're on a boat and the water beneath us is constantly being churned up by the activity of our life, like all the cacophony of all the things. But when, when we're consistent or still on the water, like, like walking, that the, that, the, that the sediment in the water begins to collect at the bottom and suddenly we can see all the way down to both the treasures and the garbage that might be at the bottom of the pond of our life. And in this sort of consistent motion, we have a chance to see it. And then he said this really amazing thing that, that rung true of my experience of walking, of meditating. When you, when you see something, be it a treasure or garbage in your life that you want to deal with, when you reach down to grab that particular treasure, you churn up the bottom again. And it takes another spell before it settles out enough for a new something to come into sight for you to process or think about be it a treasure or something that's cluttered your life in some way. And I thought that was a really beautiful way to think about the internal life of, of walking and why, why it's so beautiful. But mm -hmm. anyway, that's just something I read recently. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. That's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on things to think about when walking the Camino or questions and preparing to go? Yeah, I've got something in that in that regard, Tony, that I'd like to hear from from the three of you guys about. I had a I had a friend tell me uh, fairly recently that they they believe that the the journey begins not when you step off the plane or head out from Saint Jean, but when you decide you're going to go. When you make the decision to go, your pilgrimage really is beginning, which I really I really liked. Along the way before we go, and I think this could be helpful for people that are maybe watching or listening that are planning or thinking of going, the, the, the amount of information that's out there, the rabbit holes on YouTube that you can disappear into uh, on everything from the pro poncho crowd to the pro rain jacket crowd. I mean, <laughs> oh it, it's, it, it's really wild. Yeah. So, uh, so it's occurred to me that for, for me, I think I'm going to take this last month before I go and just watch no videos, read nothing on the forum. I've got my gear. I've got my route. I've got my bookings. And I think I just want to sort of try to get into a better frame before, before I take off. Cause it's a, it's it's a there's a lot out there. There's just book after book after book. 
and it can be it can be a bit much it's good yeah i agree mark and i i uh definitely prepared as much if not more than it sounds like you have i packed i think i packed and unpacked like 10 times my backpack it was really pathetic but um but yeah i did the same thing i did a deep dive into everything i i prepared for two years before i went but i love that idea of yours of just you know just taking the time to just like let what you've learned process and let the things that feel um like the gold or whatever in what you've looked kind of rise to the top um i think that that's a really good idea hmm. yeah somebody I, on the forum uh i'm sorry carolyn go ahead no go ahead go ahead i'm just gonna say somebody on the forum uh last week happened to be on april 1st decided it would be really a fun idea to post that the french government had shut down the Napoleon route from St. John to resurface the roads and groom the trails and it would reopen again in October. And people just lost their minds. And when I, I mean, it's the first thing I saw when I woke up in the morning, looked at my phone and I thought, oh my gosh, um, I've got, I'm booked to stay at Orison and I, it's, I, I got to go to Val Carlos. I don't even know. How, and, and then all of a sudden somebody posted, it's like, uh, is this an April Fool's thing here? And it was. And I thought, oh, that is just, I'm too deep into a hole here on details if that sort of thing's really bothering me. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Carolyn. Well, no, I was going to say, I think that's great advice. I think that's true of a lot of disciplines, even. You know, if you're in a play or something and you memorize things and you're ready, 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 you need to take a break. You know, I used to run a lot in my youth and same thing. you got to take a break. You know, it's this ebb and flow of life, which is very challenging for me. So right. that's good advice already for me because I have a tendency to just keep going. And I do think it's that lovely respite just before that really is so beneficial to whatever you're embarking on. I'm going to have to remember that. That's a good, that's a good word. That's great. And it's interesting. I've I've seen published online and in books meditations to do while you're on the Camino, but I've seen very few things about sort of structured like internal life prep as you're as you're preparing to go. And it, I think it'd be really interesting. And maybe it's out there. Maybe somebody could um, could write in the show notes for us, you know, do a response or emails if you know of a good sort of preparatory like internal mind, body, spirit for um, going on the Camino. And to Mark's point about taking things too seriously and overreacting, for every person who says you have to do, you have to, you must, the one thing you should never do is X, you'll find somebody else online who says the exact opposite yeah. about this. Mm -hmm. And I think the reality is there's no one way to do pilgrimage. And one thing I really try and emphasize to people um, and I'm not talking, I don't really, I'm not trying to be condescending, but it's Spain. It's, it's not outer Mongolia. Like right. if you need to buy something, every third village has that. Mm -hmm. Like if you forget to buy something or you wish you had brought something you didn't bring, you'll find it. You know, you're in Pamplona on days five, you know, it's a major town. So don't, don't stress about having everything perfect every time. And so much Camino is designed to cater to those needs. So 
Uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. This is not, a, I have to do it right the first time or I'm dead in the water. It's not like that at all. And, um, and unlike Lisa and Mark, I decided to go and was on a plane within a couple of months. And I mean, I packed my bag once and barely thought about it. And when I showed, when I showed up at St. John, I literally didn't know what I was doing. I, I, they pointed me to the trailhead and I just walked up there and started walking in the middle of the afternoon, like an idiot, uh, which is the thing you're never supposed to do. But like, I didn't know. I, I'm just, I'm just a pilgrim. <laughs> <You> know, <so. laughs> All right. Good. Any other thoughts, Mark? That was a good question. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. So I would, I fully intend to engage people because I love people as I'm sure we all do. And I think it's fantastic. And the nuances of their life. I just like that. And then there comes a point where I'm thinking, uh Oh, now I'm in too far and I would like to not talk anymore, but I've given off the impression that I can't wait. Lisa can attest to this. <laughs> and so now I, I can't get, how do you do that? If you, because there's times that you just don't want to talk, you just want to be, but now you have all these besties along for the road, which you can't wait to see later. But you know, anyway, how does, how does the cadence of walking with people and then not wanting to walk with people work? Yes. Yeah. Lisa, you have thoughts? I do. Well, I want to hear them. You can go first if you want. Well, we're different because I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm an extrovert in certain ways, but when I'm on the Camino, I don't want to talk to anybody. Like I'm, I am, I'm in my, I'm in my spiritual zone and I yeah. want to stay there. And, and so I've got, I'm coming from a different perspective maybe than you, but then I can address it. So, all right, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> generally speaking, uh, there, the social contract on the Camino is, is fairly well known, like, and if it's not known on day one, it is known by day six by everybody. Like, and there is a social contract. We all, we're all playing by the same rules. And one of those rules is the right to walk alone. It really is. Uh, and you can be a lot more blunt than, than normal, you know, circumstances in the States or whatever. You can just say, you just say, I've loved this conversation. I really just need some time. In just just to think and feel for a while, pray for a while, whatever your terminology is. And people go, great. And then you just, you know, hit the brakes a little bit and let them walk ahead, depending, you know, feel out who walks faster, hit the brakes, let them walk ahead. Or for me, I just always go, well, it's nice talking to you. And then I just, I, I hit the gas and that's yeah. how I get away from people pretty easily that way. But Lisa? Exact, exactly what I was going to say. Everybody either knows it or knows it soon into the pilgrimage um, that everybody has a freedom to walk and chat or to just say, again, it's been great talking to you, but I'm I'm kind of in a zone where I'm trying to have some you know, time alone. And people, I've never, I never had any trouble with anybody being offended because I just think everybody knows that. Okay. So it's just, yeah, it's just part of the, the culture, the community there. And I would say be, be blunt because nuanced language doesn't translate really well, either regionally or particularly cross-culturally. So um, I, I, I want to be quiet for the next hour is a great way to say it. Just really, you know, words that most people who have learned English 
they know those terms and that that syntax makes a lot of sense but it's time for me to like kind of get inside myself and feel you know what, what are you saying like i want to be quiet for the next hour yeah you know, just be really yeah. be okay and people by and large are very they just give you the benefit of the doubt yeah yeah that's good that is good 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 okay what's next I have, a, I have a question for lisa um are if you're a person who has a lot of social contact in your life and you're over there on these on these long treks how do you manage the solitude what 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 was that like for you or if that's applicable yeah as far as when you were walking and just because i went with um my husband and son and we kind of had a thing where uh if we we could either walk together if we wanted or not and so there were a number of days i walked by myself and i mean i i don't really think i talked to a lot of people on those days maybe maybe a little bit but i just um yeah, it was the same kind of thing where you're just walking along and if people came up and wanted to talk, I would just say same thing. You know, it was really great talking with you that I'm trying to take a solo day today. So I'm, I'm walking alone. Mm -hmm. So is that what you meant? Yeah. And, and also just emotionally, what does it feel like to, I mean, we, we, we are, you know, we're connected people yeah. in this country and our, our culture. So we're we're texting back and forth, and we're chatting on the phone, and we're FaceTiming and Zooming, and and then all of a sudden, wham! You're over there, and right. hours and hours and hours alone. That mm -hmm. that is a big adjustment. My wife has told me she's more concerned about how I respond to that than mm -hmm. I do physically, because um, right. it, it it's a big it's a big big shift. And I'm mm -hmm. um, I'm just kind of curious if that was something that you or Tony. Um, had to kind of deal with? You know, I, so I didn't text or call when I was over there. And uh, I did, I did a blog. So every night that I could, I would post things for my family and friends. Of course, I kept in touch with my husband and stuff, but when he was, before he got there. But um, I don't know, I, for me, I feel like it is so different than being in your day-to-day -day life. And it just, you're able to, at least for me, I was easily able to just get into the flow of pilgrimage and just, you know, I didn't, you don't want to be on your phone. You don't want to be checking Instagram or, you know, texting with friends or whatever. You just don't want to, you know, cause that's not, it doesn't, it's just not the headspace you're in. So mm -hmm. for me, yes, I'm super social and I, but it was very easy transition for me. Thank you. Yeah, it's one thing when you choose, like, today's going to be a quiet day, you know, but there are days where the isolation is forced upon you, where you yes. just find yourself walking and you were kind of hoping you'd find somebody and you don't. And you and sometimes you go hours without really connecting with them. And it is hard, Mark. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like it's not. There are times it's like the um, in the silence, the demons, you know, they they raise their voices and you you know, all the sort of self-talk can get very dark and you, a lot of things yeah. can come up inside of you that's very mm -hmm. painful. And, um, and it's, but that's, I mean, a lot of that is part of it. Um, mm -hmm. it's, a lot of it is 
it's sort of that that hero's journey you need to go on and the hero's journey is part of it and there will be days when you are in the the wilderness there will be days that you are in you know you're in the cavern you're in the you're in the cave you there are these things that the hero needs to go through and the heroine needs to go through and um so um don't don't be afraid of it and i also found um it reminds me of one time when i was walking alone and there were there was no one around me and i was feeling not only lonely but also kind of vulnerable because i was walking through this wooded area and feeling like wow i'm kind of really all by myself you know and i feel a little vulnerable and so but i just obviously kept walking and then all of a sudden i hear this music and i come up this hill and around a corner and there's a man sitting there playing the guitar and it just it felt to me like like a divine moment of you know and he played a camino song for me you know just for me i stood there and listened to him and he played this song about just being on the camino in the solitude of it and stuff and it was it's amazing to me how those moments will come like right when you need them you know and there's so That's many good. things i'm sure tony you experienced that where just these crazy things happen uh -huh just out of the blue. Lisa, I thought, I thought you were going to break into song. I really did like in the middle you of your I thought she's about to sing for us. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> From last first. Uh, um, I mean, do you guys worry about safety, physical safety? I just, my, since I came up a little bit here, Carolyn, yeah. yeah. Well, I've not been there. So I know the Camino takes care of itself. And all my son went, my youngest son, when he was 18, um, and he thought it was super safe, but he was an 18 year old male. So see, that doesn't really relate to a female at really any age. Um, but he sure learned a lot of lessons. And that's one of the reasons why I'm interested in this. That was great. But yes, yeah, so I mean, I, I think any woman at any age, anywhere has to be a little concerned, which isn't fair. It's really irritating. Right. But I think that's the reality. But you yeah. tell me, you know, I've not been there. And I would say there are so many women who travel solo on this pilgrimage. So, so many women who go alone and you just don't hear. I mean, definitely there are dangers because it's, you know, part of this world. But um, I, uh, I have read a lot about single women who have traveled and their accounts are amazing. So when we go, actually, when Carolyn and I go, I don't, I don't think Carolyn's going to be able to stay for the whole time. So that will leave me traveling all by myself, which honestly, it's a stretch for me. It's a stretch, but I want to do it and I am going to do it. And I'm excited about it. So I'm sure there'll be times when I feel afraid, but that's okay. It's a great time to build my courage and bravery. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and when you're on the Francaise, if you're there, Anytime during the pilgrim season, you don't go very long without having no. other pilgrims nearby. And there, there really does. Yeah. I mean, pilgrims, other pilgrims feel safe. They just do as people. Mm -hmm. And um, not that there always are. And we still need to, you know, keep our, keep our antenna up as we go. But um, just talking with uh, women who have walked and men as well that have, I've walked with and we've talked about it. There's a, it's it certainly is more they feel safer than walking through downtown San Francisco, for instance, you know, or something. Oh yeah. 
any thoughts on um like security safety of like documents and money and do you have to worry about getting robbed or petty theft or anything lisa do you have any thoughts on that because i know a lot of people worry about it mm -hmm. a few of the albergues will have uh, lockers that you can put your things in but i would always uh take like my passport my money all of that stuff and i would just stick it in my sleeping bag with me and just anything that i was concerned about and then of course you don't leave the alberg you don't leave yourself in the albergue that you would be concerned about such as your passport and money and all that stuff you always keep that on you but i i never felt i, I just never felt concerned for my stuff at all because again like tony just said the people that are on these in this path they're pilgrims are doing the same as you and they everybody has the same mindset and the people in the albergues are only pilgrims because that's all that can stay there. And so I'm, I'm sure there would be a rare thief, but I don't, I never ever felt any concern about that. Yeah, uh, just keep your, keep passports and money on your body at all time, you know, mm -hmm. preferably under your clothes. Um, I, I just kept my wallet under my pillow as I slept, you know, under my mm -hmm. ear. You know where if somebody tried to get to it they could get it. but by and large I, I never worried about it i mean it was yeah. um my my friend kari who used to help um host this she got she got robbed once in the albergue she while she was sleeping but the person who robbed her just took just took the little bit of cash she had and was really kind to leave her passports and her credit cards and it's like like literally were, it was it was obvious they, they went out of their way to just take the money and to leave everything else just as it was so uh, nice thieves Right, nice. Thoughtful things. Thoughtful things. <laughs> All right. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything anybody wants to say you haven't had a chance to say? Anything? I'll tell a story because okay. Mark, you were talking about your uh, Saint Christopher medal. Mm -hmm. So when I went, uh, my dad. First time I went, my dad gave me a Saint Christopher's necklace and wanted me to keep it with me, which I had planned on doing, but I few days into the trip, I realized I had left it at home. And I felt I felt bad about that from the perspective of, you know, my dad means a lot to me. And I wanted to honor, you know, this thing that he'd given me. And, and plus, it just was part of my, you know, with my scallop shell and, you know, some different things I had, it was kind of part of my little spiritual, you know, paraphernalia I was carrying. But I realized I hadn't brought it with me and I, was, I felt very bad and it kind of was a little bit of a heaviness for me. Um, so at one point, um, the we had gone to the Salbergue, we got there a little bit late and there were three beds left. And so my husband and I took one and we'd saved one for our son and then found out later that he wasn't going to make it to the albergue so these women came in late they were tired one of them was very injured and so they were trying to get a place to stay but it was or closed there were no more beds so they were going to send them on to the next town and so i overheard this and i said hey we have one bed if you guys want to sleep on the same bunk <laughs> you guys can come in and take this so they ended up doing it. And um, I saw them on the trail like a couple days later. And the, one of the women came up and said, we so appreciate you offering that bed to us because my friend here was so injured and not doing well. And I just wanted to give you a gift. She hands me a St. Christopher necklace. Oh, that's great. That yeah. So great. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really cool. It was one of those moments that you're like, okay, 
that's that was like the guy with the guitar yeah. when I was feeling alone. So those moments yeah. are all over oh, the place. So I have great. so many stories like that. So thank you. Like um, I have a story as well, even though I've not watched the Camino. But when Joshua, my youngest son, was on the Camino and his first day, he, so he was going to check in, but he didn't. He didn't, and we didn't know where he was. And he was 18, and I'm insanely in love with my children. As and I was first starting to really freak out because he'd missed the deadline for checking in and then he wasn't going to check in that was okay too but just like you got there you started you know and it was the pyrenees that he was walking over and i was literally thinking okay if i fly over and we run as fast as we can how long would i take to catch up with it? you know i mean we're just you know how your head just gets crazy and so lisa and i i'm like oh you know i'm freaking out so lisa and i go for a walk and we're in our neighborhood and we're just walking. And this guy was, you know, kind of cloudy, kind of clear, just nothing remarkable at all. And we turned the corner and the entire sky was, and I will never forget it because it was perfect Camino shells and thousands of them. And they were pink and their whole sky was filled with pink Camino shells. And right then and there, I was just like, this is so not for me to worry about. This is so not for me to worry about. It was unbelievable. Wow. Really. Wow. Do you remember that, Lisa? Very good. I totally remember it. We were yes. both like, Whoa! Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, Mark. Any closing thoughts? No, I just really appreciate you, you guys taking the time to do this. Um, yes. It's it's really wonderful, and and uh, looking forward to everybody getting back out there. Have fun, Mark. Yeah, it's super exciting. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, Lisa, Carolyn, Mark, thanks so much for spending this time. A reminder, blessed are those whose strength is in the divine, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. And this is Pilgrim Lost. Thanks to everybody for getting lost with us. Don't forget to um, connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Pilgrim Lost and PilgrimLost.com. And if you're so inclined, uh, patreon.com slash pilgrim lost. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.